Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I am so excited for today's interview. You know, we were just talking offline, my guest and I, and I was just talking about how we have so many different types of people and type, different types of answers and how cool it is that we can reach and resonate with so many people because of the diversity of people that we bring on. And today is no exception to that. And I'm really excited for the brilliance that's going to be shared on this podcast as it always is. A couple reminders for you. One is we interview everyday innovators from across the globe, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, leaders, business owners, aspiring leaders, moms, dads. So if you're out there and you're like, hey, Tamara, I'm an everyday innovator and here's the cool stuff I'm doing. Go to our website, fill out the form, nominate yourself, nominate people in your world. We want to hear from you. Hopefully you can tell by looking back at the podcast, if you're new to us, like these are people who maybe maybe they don't have 2 million followers and 10 books on the shelf, but they're doing a lot more than those people, if you ask me. And the impact matters even more on a personal level. So nominate yourself or nominate others. The other thing I want to remind you of is we live on reviews. So go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and a comment. More of your reviews and comments equals more guests, more listens and downloads, and that means a bigger impact in the world. So do us a favor. If you get a nugget of value of any kind out of these podcasts, go to your iTunes, scroll down to review, and leave us one. Now, to get on to today's interview, which is going to be so good, let me tell you just a little bit about Sharon's Everyday Innovator Style. And then I will introduce her and we will dig in. So Sharon is a collaborative tweaker. That means the collaborative side is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together. Think of it as like someone pulling all these different pieces of the puzzle from all these different places and bringing it together to create a whole picture. And then the tweaker side is all about optimizing and editing things. It's not really about success and failure. It's more about like that great win is just one little adjustment away. If I can just figure that out. And I always know the people who are tweakers when I'm working with companies or out doing a keynote, because when I do any type of exercise with them, when I say stop, they're still like moving things just one little inch to the other direction. They can't help themselves, but it's a really powerful combination. And that combination, the collaborative tweaker is bringing whole optimized innovation to the table. And I think you're going to hear it in the interview, but listen for how Sharon thinks, how she problem solves, how she looks at the world, you're going to hear it. So Sharon, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you are in. That was a great introduction. Uh, thank you so much. I am just so excited to be here. I think I we expressed our excitement offline a little bit. Yeah, we we just like <laughs> dove right into reconnecting. Uh, I am all about connecting and uh, my what I do and who I am, I think is a big part of that. I am I'm trying on a new title and it's a human mm-hmm. performance coach. And what this essentially means for me, and although it may sound different, human performance often sounds like a science-based technology or movement movement field. For me, it is in the pursuit of health. And you can really define health in a lot of different ways. I primarily focus on mindset, nutrition, and movement. I genuinely believe that can't outwork 
a bad diet and it doesn't matter how long you spend at the gym if you hate yourself. So we have to really prioritize your relationship with you, how you talk to and about yourself in order before we can even set goals when it comes to health. So the performance aspect is the true version of performance in helping people identify how they want to perform and who who they whom they believe they are first, which leads into goals. And I, I've spent a lot of time, uh, Tamara and I know each other from the strength conditioning and CrossFit world. Yeah. I spent a ton of time in the strength conditioning, health and fitness realm for uh in excess of 15 years as a certification instructor. I just finished up a five-year stint as a Paralympic strength and conditioning coach where I was in Tokyo coaching the now number one team in the world for USA rugby, uh, USA wheelchair rugby. And And I've kind of been all over the place. I ultimately realized that I the, the elite level performance is fantastic. There's also a really high turnover and a high burnout rate. And I wanted to bring some of the principles of performance, of health, of overall holistic health to people like you and I. And I wanted to be be able to find a space that was not only sustainable for me and with the burnout rate that, that is often within the health and fitness field, but scalable to have this really large impact, excuse me, to have this really large scalable impact ripple effect so that the, if you and I if you and I work together, you can then utilize the tools that you've worked on with yourself to have a greater impact in your life as well. So that's can we go back to something you said because uh, I'm I'm in my head stuck on it, which means there's something I want to dig into and explore. So you had talked about you know you can't I might be paraphrasing a little bit like you can't out, outwork your own mindset. You can't like you can't actually do the things you want to do or get healthy and fit if that internal mindset's not in the right place. And I, I have no doubt that people listening are probably thinking the same thing of like, oh, wait, hold on, talk more about that, because that's probably me. And, you know, I, I have found over time, Sharon, and I think we've talked about this just over the years, that my challenge isn't this big voice. It's like, you're a loser, right? You're fat, you're gross. It's not that. Um, they'll never go for it. You're stupid. It's not loud. It's actually a whisper that just I've had to work really hard to ignore, or not ignore, get rid of, move aside, deal with. Um, and I think a lot of us deal with that where that internal voice that we're running from isn't a loud one that we can slap across the face and ignore. It's actually just this like series of little whispers. Mm-hmm. So will you just talk a little bit? I know I'm doing, going totally off track, but it was, you said it and I was like, oh, I got to ask. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. I So... So, so digging a little bit more into that mind mindset, right? I think we can all relate to the fact uh, uh, of being on track and then falling off the wagon. And I'm putting that in quotations yeah. because I genuinely believe that you can never be off track of your own life. Like you make choices, whether, whether you are willing to own them or not, that's on you. And that's the work that's, that's the work that's laid out ahead of you. But when it comes to, when it comes to the mindset piece, I actually think that Tamara, you are in the majority. I don't think that there is this massive, I mean, many people, many people have feelings of imposter syndrome that is really fully dictating everything that they're doing. But I think it's a lot more subconscious than that. And a lot of that comes from the way that you talk to and about yourself. And I'll give you, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. Uh, I'm just not good at, I'm, I'm really not good at remembering names right? Really common thing. I was in the restaurant industry for a million years, a million years ago. And that is a really common thing that people outside of the bar, like would, would always say, like, I'm just really not good at remembering names, or I'm just really not good at math. And let me tell you what you're telling yourself in that moment. It is not a priority to me. Mm. And I've never really worked hard at it. So the next time you try and remember a name, 
your brain will say, nope, we're not good at that. We're not even going to give it a best shot because no one is eavesdropping in on you more than you. So I think that being really tuned into, like you said, that small voice, being really tuned into that small voice is the first step. And rather than trying to necessarily get rid of it or ignore it, pay attention to it. Hear what is the subliminal message that you're giving yourself, because only when you are aware of the messaging that you're providing for yourself, can you actually work work to change it. And when we work to say, instead of, instead of, trying this on for size, instead of, I'm really not good at remembering names. What if you said, I've never made a priority to remember your name? (laughs) It hurts a little bit. I'd be on the other side of that. I can tell you that. Right. (laughs) But that's actually the truth. What we're trying to do is let ourselves off the hook for never putting in an effort. Mm. So, so if, if, if nutrition, right. Within my purview, if, if like, you're really just not good at eating healthy foods, there's, for, you're telling yourself, right? When it's a you self-fulfilling start, prophecy. It is. You're telling yourself that that salad or the vegetables are not going to taste good because you don't like them and you're not good at it. What if we flip that? What if you say, I am someone who works at eating more greens. You own that identity. So it is the small tweaks, right? I'm the tweaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I, it's all about those paying attention to the subliminal language that you are talking to and about yourself. And it's the funny things that we say to children or the people in passing or, or the thoughts like, Oh, Sharon, I say that all the time. Oh, Sharon. And I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) what am I telling myself? Yeah. Right. So it's paying attention to it. And then once you know what you're saying and and the language that you're giving yourself, you can actively work to shift it. And then that transcends into literally everything, confidence, the way you hold yourself, your self-efficacy to perform tasks, so what this makes me think, I like how you snuck that in there to eat more vegetables, people. Um, but but what I really, what it makes me think, Sharon, is what we what really is happening with our internal chatter is a lack of accountability. And uh, I think the challenge for all of us, this is the challenge I'm setting for all of us everyday innovators out there, is to keep track of your mental your mental game, your conversations for a day. I'd be very curious to see. Like, I know I say I'm not good at remembering names and I know that I'm not because I say I'm not, right? So, but if I wrote that down and looked at it, I'd be like, whoa, I'm I'm training myself to not be, to your point. But I wonder how many things we say. And if we then took those things and flipped them into, I don't choose to remember people's names. How shitty is that? Let's just start there. Um, like the thing that identifies you, that's not okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but like, if we actually took that challenge of writing all the mental stuff down, but then flipped it into language that we owned, if it would change how we saw those things. I, I love that challenge. And I'm going to take it a step further. Yeah. Let's get rid of the word try. Hmm. I'm trying to. What yeah. you're also telling yourself is you're not there yet. And it's okay if you don't, don't worry. And it's okay it. if you don't, right? Yeah. I'm really trying to eat healthy. So when you, or I'm really trying to move more. I'm really trying to stand up more throughout the day. So when you don't, totally cool. Right. I tried. I tried, right? Yeah. I gave it my best shot, but did you? So right. instead of saying, I'm trying to, right? I'm trying to get better at remembering names. I'm actively going to remember your name. I am someone who remembers people's names so that when the next name is given to you, your brain says, whoa, we're the person that remembers people's names. What did they just say? It must yeah. have been tomorrow. Oh, I'm right. going to try. Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this, Sharon, particular name, because I totally, I'm guilty of that. And what's to me also interesting about this and what you're saying is that applies to innovation. So our brains to exactly what you're saying, oftentimes when people come to me and say, 
I'm not innovative or I'm not creative, whatever language they use, what they're really saying is I have not built that muscle. That's really what's happening. Or I've been untrained or I've, I've, for whatever reason, now believe that I'm not. So, but it's not that they aren't, it's that they're choosing to believe that, which is then dictating their actions. Well, Um, and it's interesting, right? Like we're perfectly happy with accepting the identity of I am not, but then when we try and flip it and say, I am, everyone's like, whoa. What what do you mean? (laughs) So I am not good at remembering names. But if I were to ask you to say, I'm good at remembering names, you'd feel like that's a lie. Either of them could be just as true with, right. with, any, with any type of work. Right. Right. And like, it sounds like bragging, which is funny. Like, why shouldn't you say out loud, I'm good at something? Right. Or not even that you're good at something. Just that, like, what if you just owned that part of your identity, the part that you're working on? Yeah. Right. So we're so, if you get a thousand compliments about your shirt right. and then one says, oh, is that what you're wearing to the meeting? That'll be the one thing that you hold on to. We are so attached and more comfortable with the negative notions of things, at the moment we try and flip it, it gets uncomfortable. The challenge is to get uncomfortable, Yeah. right? If inno- innovation doesn't happen inside a perfectly perfectly designed box, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable and embrace new identities. If we want to be different, we're going to have to act different now rather than waiting for it to hit us in the face. Like, like, like you've discussed in past podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. Okay. So speaking of like embracing things, what's a big win or something that you are proud of? I thought about this a lot um, when you sent me the questions. Uh, spoiler alert, we, sometimes we know the questions ahead of time. Um, and well, you know what? There's a lot to say about that, Sharon, is um, I don't bring people on this show who are crafted at, who, who spend their time on stage. And I would like to get, it's so honest answers. And I would like to give you a chance to actually think it through. <laughs> well, no, and I appreciate that. And here's yeah. the problem. With being a collaborative tweaker, I think it's not about every, there's an opportunity and everything. <laughs> I have tweaked my thought about that 85 times since I of since I you have because things are never final. But that's um, your brilliance too. So what are you proud of? <laughs> yeah. So so here's the thing about wins. Um, I think that the smallest wins are actually the largest wins. Um, I think that taking a shower on a day where you want to do absolutely nothing is a thousand times b- bigger than going than like going public with your company because you did something that you absolutely did not want to do but you decided to sh- show up anyway for the for the greater purpose of your journey i think that is a thousand times more effective and like deserving of celebration than following every single like cascade of slinky down the stairs that results in some big ultimate thing. It's all the small things that line up. Um, for me in thinking about this, a big win, and this is this is kind of where the personal thing comes out, a big win was actually recognizing that I could not do and become the person that I wanted to be, the business owner that I wanted to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I started therapy in 2020, actually just before the pandemic hit, which thank God. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and I decided that white knuckling it with armor on, like I had kind of for my entire life, although it may not have seemed like that was not going to be the way that was who I was. And that was not going to be how I became who I wanted to be. Um, so my biggest win was asking for help. Right. Um, and, and, and not just asking for help, but, but like continually seeking to kind of up my game on searching for me you're listening to conversations with everyday innovators on with tamara gondor podcast let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible 
I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So I want to ask you a question on that moment where you asked for help, because um, I find, I'm curious if this is, was the same for you or different, mm-hmm. that when I finally got to a place where I realized, you know, it's okay to not have all the answers. And it's okay to not like grind, grind, grind. And in fact, it's even more powerful, I think, to ask for help and surround yourself with people who can lift you up and you can lift them up too. But there was a sense of relief that washed over me when I realized that because I was so exhausted from carrying the weight of everything on my shoulders. And it's not that I lost any accountability for the actions or the results, but I finally got okay with like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't have to know everything. And I think that's incredibly true with innovation of any kind every day when you're trying to break through is that you have to be okay not knowing things. Um, and I'm just curious if it, you came from that same place of like, oh, this is so, I feel so much relief or or different emotions came over you. Yeah. So I can tell you at 18, I knew everything. And at 36, I knew nothing, nothing. It's funny how that works. Right. Yeah. The older we get, like my advanced degrees, like the only thing that advanced degrees taught me is that I know nothing. <laughs> like it didn't make me feel more equipped to be a subject matter expert. It just exposed the massive gaps. And I, uh, there was this sense of, it was terrifying. Let let me just say that first. Um, I think asking for help and recognizing that you in fact cannot do it alone. And it does in fact take a village to do really anything worthwhile doing. Uh, I think as terrifying as it was, it was absolutely so necessary to ask for help. And when I say help, I mean, like I was in a pretty dark place emotionally and mentally. And when I asked for help, when I realized that this was not going to be something that I could kind of like bury, compartmentalize, 
uh, and just kind of like suffer through, grind through, hustle through. Because I would have told you four years ago, no one will hustle and work harder than me. I had 85 jobs. I defined myself based off of what I did. And then the pandemic hit and all of the things that I did, (laughs) energy out, uh, came to a screeching halt. And I was faced for the first time with who am I without those things? And kind of like with great power comes great responsibility. Kind of, and, and also what you said was there w- with that relief came control and it mm-hmm. actually gave me control back. I think that when you start to take accountability for your life, when you start to realize that more is actually in your control and power with the way that you talk to and about yourself and the way that you approach your own feelings, your emotions, and your actions, when you, when you realize that you are accountable that you are the only one responsible and accountable for your life and the things that happen in it, that control is the rape of relief. Mm, yeah, That's where the relief comes from. And that is what I've been experiencing is, is learning how much power I have over my own life. And, and that's, that's what I think to go, we'll go into this later. I'm absolutely sure. That's what, that's the part that really I want to share. Mm. So, I want you to feel like you have power. Right. And that you're kind of talking about in relation to like, that's why you do the work that you do and why it's like a combination of mindset and nutrition and fitness and feeling like all the above is because that it gives you control back. And it, I think it also helps you. Well, I'm part of that. It helps you realize what you need to do for yourself versus relying on someone else to tell you all the time what to do. hundred percent. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What's the story of a time that, that you did something where you thought differently? Um, you know, create a problem solve, whatever it is to create a breakthrough or result that you were looking for. So uh, I, I ran the mass participation department in for USA rugby and uh, mass participation is just a really fancy term for getting more people to participate. Right. Mm-hmm. And the largest uh, rugby in the United States um, kind of started like this or like like an upside down triangle where there was a massive participation at the elite and like club adult level but there wasn't a ton of youth and over the past 10 years the work has been to shift that into an actual triangle so that it can feed into a more well-oiled machine at the elite level and be more of a superpower when it comes to that sport uh mass participation for me was to help drive youth participation by or by by it's it's the collaborative tweaker in me where I was coordinating with and collaborating with each state rugby organization to help them uniquely grow youth rugby according to how youth rugby would grow in their state, uh, really empowering them to uh, providing them the tools and the support from a national governing body in order to grow in a way that best suits their area. And the the problem was uh, and this is going to be incredibly, not to be like gauche or incredibly com- confrontational, but USA Rugby historically was, was run by old white men. Not a problem. The issue is um, if the growth of rugby could have been solved by a bunch of old white men getting together in a room, it would have already been done. So when I came in and I said, cool, these are really great systems. Let's work at utilizing them differently this grant program that took off for a minute, providing balls and kits to underserved schools uh, for after school and recreational programs. It took off for a minute, but then it kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And most of that was because 
there was still, it was still behind a paywall, which didn't work. Yeah. So I took that grant program and I created an application system. And then we worked with the really successful charter schools that had already, already done amazing things in their community by creating rugby participation. And we looked at the people that already had money that were already participating in youth to fund the underserved populations within that same community. Because more rugby for their kids meant more rugby for the other kids, which means they could participate against each other and they wanted to stop playing the same three teams. So we took, so, so we were able to fund it without a dollar from USA Rugby. Uh, and the problem with that, the, the, the problem that I kept going up against was it had never been done like that before. And many people were stuck in what a grant program is supposed to look like. Mm. And what I had to do was very delicately frame it in a way that made sense for everyone, fiscally, participation-wise, probably stroke a couple egos, which is like fundamentally against my religion. But but ultimately, the win there was more people participated and the national governing body didn't have to pay a cent. Uh, And some people just had to get out of the way. So there are a couple, right. Well, not everybody should be on the bus at the end of the day. I I like to believe that most everyone has the opportunity and then it's up to you if you like really should be there or not. But (laughs) there are a couple of things, Sharon, you said that I think are really important to highlight because they're really powerful lessons out of that story. I I love that story. So one is, um, you know, you took what already existed and just worked it a little bit differently. And I think when we're trying to create breakthroughs, we try to also then do it in a way that's never been done, new to the world, never, you know, like we try to throw away everything we have in front of us. But I think the, the best breakthroughs actually come from taking what we have and rearranging the pieces a little bit, right? And then it becomes new to the world and valuable to the world. But you're starting from a place of, well, let me look at what we've got here and let me rearrange it to a place that actually is going to work for us. Um, and the second thing you said in there is about like having to convince a lot of people because it's new to the world and frame it in a way that speaks to them. I think that's the key in there. And I think that's the part we often forget. We frame things in a way that works for us. That's why we're passionate about our idea. But we got to learn to frame things in a way that speaks to the other people on the other side of the table too, because they've got a stake in it somehow. Whether we like it or not, they got a stake in it. Yeah. And so uh, to, to, to uh, I, w- I will create the bridge here, but um, love languages, right? There are five. Um, yep. acts of service, gifts, physical touch, quality time, and something else that I always forget. Did you say but acts of service? Acts of service, gifts, quality time, physical touch, words of uh, affirmation. And, and words of affirmation, yeah. Yes. So the key to love languages is to meet the person that you're trying to love with theirs. Right. Not yours, theirs. Right. But what we often get mixed up is this. I love physical touch. My, my, my personal, my, uh, my love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. In the absence of physical touch, I need more words of affirmation. So when my wife got COVID, I came to her and I said, I'm going to need you to up your game on words of affirmation for the next week. I need like a text a week, by the way, (laughs) text a day. (laughs) Right. Like, so she would call from the bedroom that she was quarantined in saying, Sharon, I love you. Right. So I had to ask for that because if I, but if I, her, her, neither of her love languages are mine, but if I was just pawing all over her, that would not make her feel loved. So in the same corporate business world, it is so beneficial for us to learn communication styles from the people that we are attempting to get buy-in from or the people that we are attempting to communicate with so that we can meet them where they're at. Because if I, 
am incre- because if, if, if I'm incredibly dialed in on the sim- on the systems and the processes, and I have become so much so that I'm a subject matter expert, often the technical jargon that I will utilize in expressing my point or in trying to gain buy-in will be 100% lost. It will be the equivalent of me pawing all over my wife and her saying, please get off of me, right? So we have to meet with them where they're at. I know I'm a hundred percent with you. And I'm just, I'm just laughing because it's, so my love languages are physical touching gifts. Mm-hmm. And um, that was in my ex husband in my marriage, his was completely opposite. And we just, we had a really hard time, like getting to the place where we understood each other's right. And it really does. And I think in the, to take that to the corporate world, like it really does matter to understand how, I think a couple things, how the person thinks, like what their language is, and also what they're dealing with, what they need out of this idea. And we mm-hmm. think the idea is going to stand on its own, but the truth is it doesn't, it never does. We need to understand like, wh- how is this beneficial to them? Because guess what? That person has just as much junk on their plate as you do. Like we forget that, right? They've got other pressures that we don't even know about. So we got to take the time to figure that stuff out. And you know, the layer I would add to that is understanding their everyday innovator style also helps you understand their language, what motivates them and what drives them. And um, I'll just tell you very quickly, I've got a woman on my team who's also a collaborative tweaker. I'm a risk taker experiential. So I'm, I'm all about uncomfortable about in motion. So I went to her once and I was like, we need a whole new CRM system. It's got to be totally different. And right. So if you had said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm, I'm in. But to her, it was like, all right. And I realized that after I said it, so the next day I went back to her and I said, hey, listen, we really need to build on what we have already, right? We need to figure out an adjustment that's going to do this for us. And you're going to have to connect with these people to make it happen. So that was like a little tweak or a little collaborative. She had an amazing system on Excel and she's not even an Excel wizard up within like 24 hours because you got to speak their language. Yeah, their language. And it's it's something you have to be really intentional about. Um, I want to flip it for a second, although I think we could talk about other people's love languages as an entire podcast on its own. For sure. You haven't taken the test, go take it. I shouldn't be promoting other people's assessments on my own, but whatever. Well, go take the IQE, the, uh, <laughs> right. the and then go take, take that the, because that'll help you. That'll help you understand more intricately, like how to communicate with yourself. Right. And yeah, what, yeah. What, like how to find your group, but also how to, how to really work collaboratively with shareholders and the people on the, on the same side of the table on the opposite side of the yeah. table. Well, you speak the truth and how to communicate with yourself, I think is a big part that we often forget going back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, I want to ask you, what's a challenge you faced and how have you overcome it? Uh, so I, I just listened to the podcast that dropped today um, with Rachel. So uh, for those who are listening, definitely go check that out. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm going to have to. Yeah, she was great. It was a great pod. It was a great episode. Uh, I have to agree with Rachel. I think the challenge and you and I were talking about this offline, the challenge has been navigating, navigating this space of burnout mm. nav- uh, over the pandemic. And when I, when I say burnout, I actually am not talking professional. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm t- talking about this fight or flight that we've essentially all been feeling to some level because we are, we are continued to, we are continued to ask to adapt, right? Yeah. Uh, work from home homeschool your kids now come back into the office, but with masks. Okay. Just go home again and figure out everything else and figure out how to connect with your family when they don't understand technology, figure out how to run your business from home when you have an open floor plan and your kids are constantly in your chili. (laughs) That's my issue. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Figure out how to be professional when your dog is whining five feet away from you, looking like she owes you money. Like how do we figure these things out? 
And I think that like our cup has filled over and mine absolutely has reached that multiple times. And I, uh, so the challenge for me has been not to be incredibly redundant, but the language that I'm talking, the language that I'm utilizing with myself, the way that I'm treating myself, I, there, it's become a little bit more in vogue, like give yourself grace. And I think, I think I actually understand what that means now. Uh, I, (laughs) I think many people have said like, oh, like be gracious with her, him, them. And now the, we're starting to turn inward and say, how can I not let myself off the hook? But very different. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I think humans, we are our own worst critic. How many times have you said that about yourself? How many times have you heard other people say, I am my own worst critic? But what that indicates is being okay with your best effort and recognizing that your best effort today is going to be very different than your best effort tomorrow because we don't live in a vacuum. The challenge has been recalibrating every day. I don't actually believe a work-life balance exists. I don't really think that balance exists. Balance is this thing where you step onto the scale at the doctor's office and the nurse comes over and taps the little weighted thing, yeah. magnet, whatever it is over. And then they tell you to step off the scale before it even stops. Right. So does balance even exist? Right. Right. I, I see balance. I see the real world interpretation of balance to be a constant recalibration. When a plane takes off, it is literally never on course. It is constantly reconnect, recalibrating with GPS. It's always, it is always at least 1% off course, but it still gets there. So it's recognizing that you may be more off course throughout the day yeah. than on course, but talking to yourself in a positive way, in an opportunity-based way, where's the lesson? Where's the opportunity mm-hmm. here? And these are the things that I've worked on with myself on days, honestly, where my depression gets the best of me and the most I can think about doing is getting out of bed. And my commitment to myself is to get outside and take a shower that day. Even if I just showered earlier in the day or yesterday, because I don't shower every day, I don't wash my hair every day. Um, <laughs> even if uh, I, it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. I've made it to myself and I follow through and that is staying on course. So there's two things you said that, uh, I just want to make sure we pause on and really hear. One is that there's a difference between giving yourself grace and giving yourself an out. And I've always really struggled with that phrase. Just give yourself grace. Cause sometimes I feel like people use it to, to not try, right? Like I just have to give myself grace today. I just couldn't get it done. <laughs> and what they were saying was to our back to our original conversation, right? Like I didn't make this a priority. Yeah. Um, but I also think on the flip side, we do have to realize and be okay with the fact that we can't get it all done. Yeah. And some days are harder than others. Some days are awesome. Some days just suck. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, right? Like that's all part of the journey. You know, my dad said to me once, and I, th- I really stuck with me. He said, when you're up, you need to remember that you were down. And when you're down, you need to remember that you were up once. And I also don't agree in balance. I don't think, I think you have priorities and sometimes your priorities pull you in this direction. And sometimes they pull you in that direction and you try your best to like not go totally out of whack. But I, I agree with you about balance too. I just, I don't think it exists. So I just want to highlight those two things. Cause to me, those, those two things really stuck out of like, wow, let's make sure we all heard that Number one, we're always trying to stay on course. And it turns out we're always off course anyway. And number two, like giving ourselves grace does not mean we are quitting on ourselves. It just means that we are not beating our, to me, what I heard is, is not beating ourselves up for what we couldn't do and being okay with our best effort, whatever that effort is. Yeah. And so what if we change the phrase a little bit? Um, Cause I'm, 
I'm a big stickler for the language that we use, if that's not obvious. And I think, I think that language and word choice yeah. can, can really shift things. So what if we changed it from give yourself grace to be gracious with yourself? Mm, I like that. Right. Totally different. Because grace sounds like wooey. I'm very wooey anyway, but it, it can feel different. Like what if you, what if you allowed the graciousness and the love and the compassion that you more often reserve for other people to all for yourself to also be a recipient of that? You know, I'm just going to tell you on that too. I think we have to give people around us more grace. Maybe I should be saying it differently, Sharon. You tell me. No. Um, I'll tell you this. I was on an airplane the other day and, you know, we still have a mask mandate. Whether you agree with it or not, this is not about politics to me, but there was a person on the plane who was pretty upset about it. And someone sitting next to me said, what a jerk, right? Like he knows he had to get, to get on the plane with his mask on. And I turned to the person, I said, you know what? I bet you he's just tired. Like, I bet you he has no control in his life. And this is the only place he feels like he can exert control. So let him have his moment. Like, it'll be done in five seconds. And sure enough, it was. But it was just to me, like, I look at people and I just, I have to constantly remind myself, look, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So just give me, I'm not justifying bad behavior. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason we get to where we get. And to your point earlier, I think we've all hit a boiling point multiple times in the last couple of years that we just have to accept that that is what it is. Um, and, that we, and that we've all had it. So I want to kind of parlay that into a question for you, This, which is given all that, given stress, given boiling points, like the highs and lows, the grace, all of it, what do you do to stay innovative, solution-minded every day? Because to me, that's the key to control is knowing you can figure out a way forward. So how do you yeah. do that? Uh, so I'm going to answer it indirectly, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, a, a quick anecdote, a story. So my mother... Um, my mother started playing the very first sport fitness of any kind when she was 65 years old, which at this point was over a decade ago. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, I just aged you. Uh, <laughs> I, I say own, I say own near age because she looks great. She's doing great. She's amazing. Uh, and I was visiting her in Philadelphia and we were playing together. She was prepping for the very first tournament, the first competition that she had ever, I know, mm, she, the first competition. It was very exciting. Uh, and she would always say, like, she's not a competitive person, uh, which tomorrow I know you probably you're like, I don't understand that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's hard for me, Sharon. You know what happens I know, when the buzzer I know. goes off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were playing and she missed a couple shots. And she's like, oh, gosh, Sharon, I'm so sorry. And I was like, whoa, why are you sorry? And she said, I want to, I want to get better. I want to win. And I went, okay, you don't get better by winning. And she had that same exact, like, huh? And I said, you missed the shot. How did you miss it? What did your hand do? Right. Where did your, where did your follow through go? Where did the ball land? There's winning and learning. And that's how I stay innovative. I genuinely believe that the things that go right, go right. I don't think that those are learning opportunities. I think the learning opportunities are when things don't go right, are when, yeah. <laughs> are when things fall apart, are when we miss the target, or especially when we feel like we are playing target practice in the dark, because then we can learn from it. And there is that constant recalibration. I think genuinely speaking, and this, I don't know who said this original quote, so maybe I'll have to do some research and ping it to you later. Uh, but the the quote is something along the lines of, when you change the way you look at the world, the world that you look at changes. Mm. I don't know who said it, but I've seen it and I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I think that what allows me to be everyday innovative is genuinely looking for the opportunity. Mm. It, this is what happens when you buy a car. You bought a red, I don't know, 
a red SUV and now uh, or a red like Honda SUV. Now, all of a sudden you see that exact yeah. red Honda SUV everywhere on the road. You provided yourself confirmation bias. You weren't looking for it. There are no more red cars. More There are no more red Hondas on the road tomorrow as there were yesterday. But you started looking for it because you made it important to you. So when you make looking for opportunity, looking for creativity, when you start, you could make a task for tomorrow. Mel Robbins does this great thing where she says, look for hearts. And when you look for hearts, you will see a cloud heart. You'll see a rock heart. You'll see like a dirt heart because you get to choose what you look for in the world, which also means you get to choose the filter. You get to choose the opportunity. You the way that you can be everyday innovative is by looking for it, by looking for the opportunity to learn. I am addicted to unlearning things. I want to be told that I'm wrong because when I'm told that I'm wrong or when I don't get something right, put that in quotations, right? Uh, because <laughs> what's right? Um, it's like capital T truth versus yeah, little right. T truth. When I'm told that I've missed the mark, I get to learn in that moment. And I think that we could all do better with being a little bit more flexible, especially in this climate. So I love this. And I love, I love your mom. So kudos to mom, like way to go. But, but I also really, I really appreciate what you're saying about like, okay, no, 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 this is not a, you know, we talk a lot about um, you should love your failures, but I don't think we really know how, mm-hmm. and what you've just given us is the how, okay. I break it down. I understand it. I learn from it. And then I keep trying, right. That's, I keep going for it. So I think that's a hugely valuable lesson of, okay, well, I don't have to love my failures. The competitive person means like, you don't love your failures. Smart. Don't say that. <laughs> but, but I can, but I always learn from them. Like, I don't have to love them, but I will always, always learn from them. And the things that go right, you know, my thought on that is, okay, that went right. So how do I, how do I do more of that? Right. That worked yeah. for me, Yeah. but that's a 10 to one. I think 10 yeah. times, right. It doesn't work. And one time it does. And that's life. And if you want to be an innovator, I think that's death of any kind. I think that is 100% life all the time and always, to your point, recalibrating. Um, So I want to ask you kind of for your last piece of advice for, you're a collaborative tweaker, but for everyday innovators of all types who are looking to, I'd say, step into something a little bit bigger the way you have, and maybe even a little more honest, what's your advice for them as they they move into being their type of everyday innovator? Oh, redundancy at its finest, I would pay attention to how you're talking to and about yourself. Yeah. I would start to, because I think we get so, I think we get really bogged down in how we are choosing to show up externally Mm -hmm. that we, and this is, this is like a sports strength conditioning analogy, right? Like under tension, anxiety, and in fatigue, we will always revert to habit, right? So this applies literally in weightlifting under fatigue, you will always revert to habits. So if you have poor habits, you are more likely to get hurt when you're tired, which is why injuries tend to happen in sports <laughs> at yeah. the end of the game, right? Like towards the end or, uh, so I would say really start to pay attention to you less about what, how, what you can do or affect out there or how you can show up in the way that your board needs you to, or that your employee, like pay dial in with your relationship with you. Because in the same language of like, you don't have to love your failures, but you can certainly learn from them if it's a 10 to one thing. 
if you're really succeeding and hitting it right on the bullseye, one out of every 10 times, those nine opportunities, those nine, I already see, I already said opportunities, those nine misses, near misses or not, are nine times, you are nine times, you have, sorry, you have nine chances to either move yourself forward, right? And tell yourself that you've got this, or you will tell yourself that you don't got this nine times. And how impactful will those nine times be, however minute, in the long run, when a big thing comes your way and your self-confidence to achieve it? I would say the relationship that you have with you is absolutely going to act like your business, anything that you want to be and become and accomplish will be exponentially affected by the relationship that you have with yourself. Man, that is some like mic drop moment, wisdom bomb, whatever you want to call it to end on Sharon. That was amazing. I I have nothing else to add to that because it was so, I just, I'm over here thinking about my relationship with myself and like, it's time to check yourself tomorrow and work on the game. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you a personal question to close, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? I was, I was trying to think about this so that I could surprise you too, because you and I know each other <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, yeah. and, and like you and I don't really pull punches. So, uh, we know, I think we know a lot about like intimate details of each other. Uh, so I, th- <laughs> um, something that's, that would, that would surprise people might be, uh, that I, I started working, maybe it actually isn't, um, I'm an identical twin. I, I had a thousand different things. I have an identical twin and we are yin and yang. She's everything I'm not. And I am everything that she you is. Guys are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And honestly, I learned that more when I dug into who I am mm. because I got to, for the very first time, figure out who I wanted to be and what steps I needed to take in order to become her today. And it turns out a lot of the identity that I was holding onto about being an identical twin had nothing to do with who I fundamentally am. It mm. was just comfortable. Um, so for me, I'm an identical twin and I am not anything like her. <laughs> She's great. And you're great. She's and wonderful. you were like, I love that you shared that because it, when I first learned that I was shocked and I don't know why, but I, I guess anytime anyone would tell me that I would be shocked. But when she first came to the gym, I was like, Whoa, it was like so weird. I was like, Whoa. Whoa. I got to find that photo. It's on my Instagram account somewhere. When oh, she came yeah. to the gym. And also even more, even more like kind of wild. My parents had no idea that they were having twins until delivery. Oh God, that is a shocker. Yeah. Why? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I would be like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. my mother was like, while you're in there, can you make sure this doesn't happen again? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> we're done here. Yeah. yeah. Sharon, this has been amazing. We went way over, but I really feel like the conversation was so rich and worth it. So thank you for your brilliance and your wisdom. And I love everything you do and who you are. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that we could share it with the world. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time